State went to Nashville, beat up on Vandy, came out of there with a nice blowout win. And I'll give you some thoughts, some good, some bad in the game, and then answer some of your questions on episode 18 of the Better Than Average podcast. Better Than Average. You play football. Football? Oh, no. Juggernaut of a podcast. Better Than Average. Like a radio show that's not on the radio. Coach, it's a great day for you, huh? Yeah, it's better than average, I'll tell you that. (laughs) All right, we're going to recap State's win over Vanderbilt, and uh, that'll be mostly good, a little bit of bad, you know, good and bad. We'll just touch on both sides. It wasn't all perfect, I guess, and then answer some of your questions. This podcast is presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online at mslandbank.com. And so anything in North Mississippi land-related, buying or selling, big farmland, hunting land, recreational, building a dream home, any type of land-related need in North Mississippi, go there. You'll be glad you did. That's Mississippi Land Bank. All right, so uh, final score in a ballgame, 45-6. Looks good. I mean, everything... Looks good, and in most ways, it was a dominating win for State. Vanderbilt is a bad football team. That's just the long and short of it right there. They're a bad football team. So when you play one of those, your expectation is that you you whip them, that it's not close, that you, you, know, you don't have to struggle. Like last year, hosting Vanderbilt there in Starkville, a much closer competitive game than it should have been. You know, but uh, Vanderbilt made a coaching change and didn't take a step forward. State in year two has taken a step forward, is much better. Um, they got better players, better roster. They're more physical, they're faster, more experience in the system, everything. And so, this is what you should get as a 45 to 6 type of ball game. The thing about it is, though, um, State had a stretch in the game that was a little sloppy. So that's what I mean by it wasn't perfect. And so if you were looking for good and bad, you could find some bad, right? Because you had some sacks and turnovers. And uh, and even defensively, State's defense just totally uh, overwhelmed Vanderbilt. But Vandy had two plays that they did pop in the game that was pretty much all their offense, so two explosive plays. And, I, again, that's what I mean, you know, Maybe it's not even fair to say we'll go over the good and the bad. We'll just go over the good and the the not so good in the game. And there was a little bit of both, to be fair. I mean, honestly, I came away from it thinking, you know, 45 to 6, and if State really played well, like really, really well, it's easily, I mean, they could have scored easily 50, 60 points in this ball game. It could have very easily have been a shutout, honestly. So that's what I'm talking about right there is, you know, I'm not, you know, just looking for, you know, something to be critical of. Not at all. 45 to 6, it was a dominating deal. The numbers back that up. But you can legitimately say, boy, you could see a deal there where um, State could have made that a, you know, the 50 to nothing, 60 to nothing type of ball game. They definitely could have. Here are some of the High points, and then I've got a list of things that I categorize as good from this win. That the good, a lot of it is obvious. You know, you outgain them in a big way. Rodgers has a big day throwing the ball. Did have the two picks. One of those a tip ball. 
got sacked a couple, three times in the ballgame, which is disappointing, but 13 receivers, all this stuff. So we'll look at the positives here. First off, on the defensive side, zero touchdowns allowed in the ballgame. And six points, two field goals, and those came in the second and third quarters. So defensively, you give up zero points in the first and the fourth quarter. You know, first or fourth quarter, no points allowed there. So shutouts in the first and fourth quarters. You don't give up a touchdown in the game. And uh, against a team like Vanderbilt, that's what State's defense ought to expect. And they were able to get that done. They allowed nine rushing yards in the game. And to show you how you know quirky and weird football can be, depending on just one or two people and personnel, you know, last year in a road game at Georgia, State allowed what eight rushing yards in that ball game, but gave up 400 yards passing because D, uh, JT Daniels and those Georgia receivers are the real deal. <laughs> and so, even without a run game, Georgia was able to hit you for big plays last year and win a one touchdown ball game. One yard difference this year on the road at Vandy. Give up nine rushing yards, but the difference is State just had better athletes all over, overwhelmed them on the line of scrimmage, way more physical on the defensive front, did hit their backup quarterback a couple times, and they didn't have the people, QB or receivers, to hit you for any big plays down the field outside of the one that they drew up in the first quarter. Um, So that's positive, nine rushing yards allowed. Uh, defense gave up a total of 155 yards of offense. Okay, so nine on the ground, 146 in the air, 155 total offense for Vanderbilt, and 85 of those yards came on two plays, the 61-yard play and the 24-yard play. That was their only two explosive plays in the game. Most, so, so more than half you know, of their offense comes on two plays that they ran, 85 yards on those two. It means on the other 40 plays that Vanderbilt ran in the game, they got 70 yards on those other 40 plays. That's uh, about one and a half yards a play. Vandy only ran 42 plays in the whole game. <clears throat> uh, for State uh, on offense, it was a positive. You scored touchdowns in every quarter. You had Two TDs in the second and the fourth. One TD each in the first and the third quarters. That's why I'm saying, you know, you look at that, and if it's a really clean, sharp, executing game for four quarters, then you could easily put up 50, 60 points in the ballgame. And that's just the fact. State was uh, five for five in the red zone. Excuse me. They were five for five in the red zone. Four touchdowns and one field goal in red zone opportunities. That's a positive. Going through a list here of the things that were really good in the game, State completed the ball to 13 different receivers, which someone gave me a note. I'm pretty sure that was a school record. The 12, actually, or 11 might have been a school record, but they completed it to 13 different guys during the course of the game. And they were all... You know, pretty significant stuff. And at the end, Ducking gets in there and gets uh, four catches. And, of course, you saw Ra-Ra Thomas get in there and get a TD. Overall, just a really good day personnel-wise on offense. A lot of people contributing, so that's good. You're able to play backups on both sides of the ball. And when you look at the fact that Will Rogers 
had played something like over 500, between 500 and 600 consecutive snaps going back to last year. And this year had taken every snap at quarterback. I just thought it was really a positive to get, you know, another quarterback some game reps. You just never know when a sprained ankle or something's going to pop up and you need somebody to play. And it's just, if you can have a few snaps under your belt as opposed to zero, that's a good thing, I would think. Uh, so Chance Lovertich got to play at the end, went five for six for 77 yards and a touchdown against Vanderbilt. So good to get some game reps under his belt. You know, backups on your offensive line got to play. It's really the first time this year you've been able to go and do that and get your depth a few game reps. Done it before some on defense, but this is one where, you you know, a few other guys. It was good to see Ty Cooper, the freshman from Louisville, get in there, who I think has got tremendous upside. So you played your backups on both sides. That was good. <clears throat> um, State ran 50 plays in the first half of the game. They were – on pace to have a, you know, obviously a, a huge total. But the game in the second half didn't dictate it where you needed to continue to push and tempo and, and that kind of thing. The state played pretty well in the second half. Wound up running 87 plays, but 50 of those they ran in the first half. That was really good. And the all total there was state ran 87 offensive plays and Vanderbilt ran 42. So you doubled them up in terms of the numbers of plays that, that each offense ran. This was a positive state, was 11 of 16 on third down at 68%. So 11 of 16, you're staying on the field. After the game, the Vandy coach pointed to that, you know, that kind of their biggest thing on defense. They couldn't get off the field because they got stayed in some third downs. Third and longs, um, which is third and nine or more, state was only in two of those, and they converted one of them <clears throat> in the game. So if you go third and nine or more, it wasn't they had some long yardage stuff, but not third and long, you know. So when they had second and long, most of the time they were able to shorten the sticks and give them a chance to, you know, convert. So after penalties and after some sacks, which I'll point that out, State was able to get a positive play on second and long, shorten those sticks and convert several of those. Which is good. Tucker Day had a good day punting. Uh, he hit two punts, averaged 51 yards. One of them went for over 50. What was it, 56, I think? And then he had one that he downed inside the 20, so he had a good day. And when you just look at total yards, pretty dominant there, obviously. 524 yards of offense for State, 155 for Vanderbilt. So there's lots of good to point to. Guys executed. Will Rogers, uh, 72%. On 58 throws, 386 yards, four TDs. Could have, should have, would have had five. You know, didn't quite hook up that second time with um, uh, Rufus Harvey. And they got a rushing touchdown on that drive for Marks. But had the two picks as well. One of them tip ball deal where he made the right read against Blitz. He just gets the ball tipped in the throwing lane there for a dropping defensive lineman. And... Uh, and then the one he pumped up the field on the third and eight in the third quarter coming out of his own end. And uh, I don't know. It was a little bit of just take a chance. It worked out like a punt. They pick it right there, which it did. It's about like a 50-yard punt. But, um, two, I think he might have not seen that. That was the 
you know, at least pre-snap anyway, a backside safety that went back to the middle and then ran it down there in the middle of the field. And he might not have seen that guy um, right there. So, anyway, those are two picks. Not a bad day for him. On our radio broadcast, we gave the player of the game to uh, the star of the game to Makai Polk. Now, he wasn't your leading receiver in terms of yards. That was Jaden Wally. Wally had 72 yards on five catches, targeted seven times. Uh, but Wally had the five catches, which led the team, but it tied with Polk, Ford, Thomas, and Dylan Johnson, who each also had five catches apiece. So, what, five different players with five catches. Wally had the most yards at 72, but Polk, five catches, 63 yards, and the two touchdowns, and felt like both of his touchdowns were huge plays and needed plays. One of them, I think, came on a third down. I have to go back and look it up, but both were great catches and not easy. The the first one was, you know, an out route of the pylon and got a little separation, really good throw, both really good throws from Will. But that one, that vertical in the back of the end zone, you just won't see a better catch with a very narrow margin to make it a completion inbounds for a touchdown. So uh, because of those two plays, particularly the 31-yard touchdown, we gave the star of the game award to Makai Polk uh, after it was over. And then lots of good for your defensive unit. You're led by Nate Watson again. Nathan- I say Nate, Nathaniel Watson again. Um, but you you played so few plays, you know, you're only out there for 42 plays uh, as a defense, so the numbers weren't really – uh, elevated. He had five tackles. Wheat had four tackles, including a sack and a TFL built in there. And as a defense, three sacks, four tackles for loss. Uh, you did create one turnover. That was an interception after uh, they had intercepted Will on the tip ball. So that was good. You know, defense really answered when they had to. You give up no touchdowns. It was a good day for the defense overall. So there's your good portion of the podcast. Now, it's a 45-6 to six game, but not everything was perfect. There is some bad. Let's t- go over the bad. I'll start off with three sacks in the game for Vanderbilt. Two from defensive linemen, one from a corner on a corner blitz, and it's a defense that didn't have a lot of sacks throughout the year, and I think maybe they only had four all year coming into the ball game. And, uh, and then get three in this one ball game against State. So the sacks were bad. That was one of the things that led to a period of sloppiness right there because if I'm thinking right, two sacks – well, the first two sacks came on the same offensive drive. It was early in the game when they held you to a field goal instead of the touchdown, right? It was your one red zone trip that didn't end in a touchdown, and that drive – and them forcing a field goal is aided by two sacks on the drive, made you work against it. And then I think the other one came later, and it was a corner blitz against a tight bunch type of formation. Um, and so he didn't have as far to go as a corner coming off the edge. So it was a game plan thing for them. Now, I don't chalk those up to uh, offensive line things. I guess one of them I do, but – Two of, my, two of the sacks I don't, going back and looking at it. Uh, I, I don't remember the order. I think I do. The, I'll try here. I think the first sack was a bust on your offensive line involved Scott Lashley. And it's where 
He's got a defensive end lined up over his outside shoulder, and he begins a kick on the protection like he's coming back and he's going to protect against the end, and then the end dropped, kind of drew his attention and dropped, and to his inside shoulder was the blitzing linebacker, and nobody picked him up. And it's like, Scott, I don't know this, and I haven't gone back to text anybody and check it out, but just glancing at it kind of looked to me like he might have actually had the wrong call. Like like people are protecting one way – and and maybe he's going to other, or you know it could have involved the guard again. I don't know um, because at the end of the play, you know he he's looking for the end who drops. He wasn't concerned with his inside gap. Let the guy go. It's almost like he turned and expected that guard, that right guard, and Johnson to have come off of that duo there on the tackle and pass pro to pick up that linebacker. It's almost like that's what he was looking for. And so I don't know who was right or wrong, but I do think it was a bust on your offensive line. It wasn't a thing of getting beat physically. It's um, Somebody's zigging when they should have zagged on that offensive line. Now the other two, the one later in that drive, you picked everybody up and Will held the ball. He's got to get the ball out of there. Um, After it was over – Jay Perry told us on the sideline on the broadcast that he heard Will Rogers go over to Mason Miller, the offensive line coach, says, I love you, man, uh, and I should, I got to throw that ball. Sorry. <laughs> and, yeah, he's going to expect to get it out. He did hold it a little bit. But also when you go back and look, it's a, it's a thing of there's only a three-man rush. I think it was a guy twisted out there and Lashley had him blocked, and he fully expected the ball to be gone, and maybe it should have, but you also can't turn him loose assuming the ball is gone, right? you got to just stay with him and stay with him and stay with him until you hear a whistle or otherwise. So a little bit of fault on both sides right there, I think. And then, you know, the corner blitz that got the quarterback is not an offensive line issue. That's one where Will pump faked him to try to get him to either get off the ground or – move so that he could step up and away from him, but the DB was not full fooled and, and got there and made the sack. And so you got to have something built in, a way to get that ball out of there against corner blitz where you're reading it and receivers reading it. And then maybe it was just a good call for them and a timing. I don't remember an outside guy trying to adjust to corner blitz and running some sort of replace or slant. I think you did have a back or somebody running a flat route on that side. You could have fired it out there too, but the safety was on top of it because there was a a bunch formation. So maybe they just got you on that one. And if you will, take the incompletion, fire it at the receiver's feet, bounce it to him, and don't take the sack and come back and run the next play. Probably the lesson uh, right there. Throw it out of bounds, something like that. So the three sacks were bad. Uh, The two interceptions were bad. Um, you know, one being you're reading blitz. They had a three-man front. They bring three linebackers and three different got one in the middle, two off the edge. So they're bringing six. It gave you a zero look, man, and receiver quarterback are adjusting, running a slant, going to take an easy completion against it. But one of those guys that was in there, and I think it was one of those linemen with his hands down, popped out and dropped back into your slant lane. It's just exactly what they – we're hoping you do is throw it into him and he gets a tip ball and and it's tipped to a teammate for an interception. The defense bailed you out by coming back and hitting their quarterback and getting an interception back for you on the very next play so it wound up not hurting you. And then the other interception, as I said earlier, was one where 
it's possible that maybe he just didn't see the backside. I say backside. You know, he's a right-handed quarterback. Seems like the ball's in the left hash. So I'm talking about the safety on the that lined up pre-snap out to his right to the wide side of the field, kind of fell back into the middle. And when he threw that ball up to see if Tulu would just go get it, make a play, um, <clears throat> the safety is the one who made the play because he had come back to the middle. And it's possible that Will didn't see him or know he was there. It's also possible third and eight that even with coverage back there, he's thinking I got a fast guy one-on-one to the left into the boundary. I'm just going to see if I can pump it up, see if he'll go jump for it. You actually got one of those type of plays against Alabama last week with Malik Heath, and this time they make the play. So the two interceptions are bad. Penalties are a bad part of this game. State had nine for 70 yards. Vandy only had five for 40. Now, one of theirs was really costly, right? Vandy had stopped State, and State's punting it away, and they roughed the punter, gave State the football, and State went on and put seven points on the board off that turnover and uh, and really took control of the game. So, you know, the context of these penalties is important, but I think eight of the nine penalties were on the offense. So you had some false starts and some holdings, and what that does is those put you – against the chains. So it makes it harder on you. It changes your play calling some, too. I was I went back and looked it up, and in the game, this is a negative, too. Playing a team like Vanderbilt, this shouldn't happen, and it's just because of penalties for the most part. Um, State had eight times where they were in second or third and long in the game which is nine yards or more. So second and nine or more, third and nine or more. Second down, third down, and long. State was in those situations eight different times in the ball game. Here they are. Those eight were a second and 10 after a holding, a second and 21 after a sack, a second and 20 after another sack. Then the very next play, you had a third and 15. They were second and 13 after a holding penalty. They were second and 16 after another holding. They were second and 14 after a sack, and then they made three yards, and so they were facing third and 11. So all eight times in the ball game that you were in a second and third, uh, second or third and long, nine or more, every one of them directly related to a holding call or a sack. So there was never a time when Vandy just went out here and stopped you on first down and you were second and 10, not once because of that. There was never a time where you were in, you know, third and 10 because you just didn't have successful plays on first and second down. Every time, again, second and third and long, that's nine yards or more the way I'm adding this up. It happened eight times in the game, and every one of them directly related to holding calls or one of two, one of those three sacks, which just tells you again it wasn't completely clean, and it was there was some sloppiness in the game. And in spite of a a blowout, a forty-five-six type blowout, you still had a stretch of sloppiness, and sometimes with some carelessness in the game and sloppiness that led to getting behind. Uh, the chains a little bit. You just can't have that in a game like this, and you certainly can't have that against good teams. Okay, so there it is. 
Um, like in the stretches of sloppiness. So states, this was, you know, it was all this good, and they started the game on fire, you know, and then there was a stretch that just kind of got unwound. It's like the spring got unwound. You had to wind it back up again. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, you know, they, they end that first quarter with the sack. They went completion, completion, sack, completion, incompletion, field goal. Okay, so now, like just like at the beginning of the year, there's a little bit of a stretch there where you're not running clean plays three or four in a row without something bad happening. In the beginning of the second quarter, they went run, play, incompletion, penalty. Then they went completion, run, play, incompletion, interception. Okay, and then they um, had a time where they went three and out but got the ball back because Vandy roughed the punter. So I guess that's what I'm saying is it's a 45-6 to blowout, and the numbers are just so lopsided, but there still was a stretch, a short stretch, into the first, beginning of the second quarter, where it got sloppy, and it was back to that thing that has reared its head at times this year of going only a couple of plays, and then something bad happens, a sack, a penalty, an interception. You know, They did get out of it, but I think they were aided because they're playing a bad team. And so those are things that you're continuing to work through. you got to eliminate those. You can't let a final score and the yardage total – gloss over the fact that there's still some things that they've got to do better and some stuff they've got to eliminate uh, over the course of their games. Um, so that'll pretty much wrap up the the bad, um, the good and the bad. I do want to talk about Will Rogers real quick. I thought Will had a good game, and I thought he made some really outstanding throws at times during the game. You know, not only the the couple of touchdowns that he threw – you know, within the rhythm of the play to Makai Polk, but the scramble and make something happen, touchdown to Harvey uh, was excellent. You know, a, a step up, sort of scramblish type of throw on the fourth touchdown to Heath. You know, he did some of those good things. Um, but I'm thinking about some of the other completions. You know, before one of those touchdowns, a completion to Wally down there inside the 10, that was just a phenomenal throw into the hole of that zone coverage, the the deep out slash corner route later in the game to Christian Ford was a phenomenal throw right on the sideline. He really made some good throws in the ballgame, did some really good things. But there was a little bit of a streakiness to it, and I think that's okay. It's not something that you're putting a check mark down here against Will Rogers for the fact that he can go on some streaks. Because the positive streaks for Will always outweigh and out, you know, are longer than the the negative streaks. But this is kind of what I noticed, and 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 really it matches the team. Okay, so it shows you how important the quarterback is to this team in an air raid system. He started the game on a fourteen for fourteen streak. I think I saw the note they had on the broadcast: thirteen for thirteen in the first half. So school record for a quarterback at State. He was 14 for his first 14. So he's on this really positive streak, and that included a touchdown. Right after that was the streak the other way. He was two for his next seven throws with an interception. 
in there, that tip ball deal. Okay, so positive streak and a little short negative streak that kind of led to some sloppiness. Well, right after that, he came back. He went eight for his next eight, including a 31-yard touchdown. And right after that eight-for-eight streak, he went three for his next 10. That included another touchdown, but also the other interception. And that was on third and eight, uh, deep in his own territory early in the third quarter. So you see there, he goes four, you know, hot streak, 14 for 14, and then a little lull, go two for seven and have a turnover. Get back on a hot streak, eight for eight, 31-yard TD, and then you know, go on a little bit of a cold streak, three for his next 10, had a touchdown in there, but also had an interception, right? He, after all that that I just mentioned, he then finished the game 14 for his last 18 with a touchdown in there also. And in that stretch of 14 for his last 18, he had completion streaks of five for five, and then he turned around again and went six for six, and even had another touchdown that got called back, you know, so... There was a streakiness to his game, too, which is its not just him. It points to the whole offense. Um, because, as I mentioned, there were penalties in there. Some of those times there were streaks. Uh, I mean, there were sacks in there a couple of times. So I think that's what we're saying. That's what I'm saying. It's coming out of this game. It was what you expected. It was what you needed. The game was never in question. State was a lot better than Vanderbilt in all phases. Certain, the defense was so much more physical. You know, offense was just so much better than than you know the Vandy defense. They couldn't do anything to stop State. It's a forty-five to six blowout. It's five hundred twenty-four yards to one hundred fifty-five. You know, all this stuff. But still, State can play a lot better. And I know that you know it sounds nitpicky, but I'm just pointing out the facts. They could play a lot better. They had a sloppiness streak or two in the game. That led to, and you know, instead of it being a just an, an unbelievable type of blowout, that it was a 39-point blowout. And that's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. All right, now I'll answer some of your questions. Johnny Jackson on Twitter said, "Why can we not run the ball successfully when we attempt it?" Actually, I think they did. Um, there were they did get stopped on you know one or two handoffs. But the numbers tell you that when they did run the ball, it wasn't that bad at all, actually. Um, so Dylan Johnson had seven carries. Okay, those went for 34 yards, so he averaged basically five yards a carry on seven carries. Against Vanderbilt, Marks had eight carries for 33, so he averaged four yards a carry. So between your running backs – that you actually gave it to them just a handful of times. They got 15 combined carries. They averaged four and a half yards a carry. They went for almost 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, then it shows you that against Vanderbilt, Vandy just, you know, State could have done whatever they wanted to do. Um, so, And first down, running the ball on first down, State's actually been pretty decent at it you know, throughout the year. It's just, like you said, they don't do it that much. Uh, Walking Bully asked the question, why do you think we broke out the wide receiver pass and the speed option versus a bad Vandy team as opposed to saving that stuff versus a Kentucky or an Arkansas? Well, Walking Bully, I think it was very intentional to do it against Vandy, and it's because 
you know, the chances of some things working, especially like a trick play, you know, it's it's a very low percentage play anyway. You put those things in to to and do it against Vandy so that it is on film and the people you're about to play see it and it may affect how they line up and how they play you in the future. See, look at it this way, Walking Bully. The uh, the speed option play, for instance, and it made 17 yards because Will kept the ball in the speed option. Well, you run that, and now Kentucky and the future teams see that it's in there, see that you will call it at some point. And so against certain offensive formations, if you're a defensive end on that side and all of a sudden you feel yourself not blocked, you, you may have stuff you're coaching them on, on certain things that might affect how aggressive he is to come upfield um, against certain formations based on the scouting report that says, hey, they may run the speed option at you, so you got to consider this. Does that make any sense? Because you, as an offense, this is just a hypothetical, but as an offense at State, you'd much rather have a way to slow up a defensive end from coming upfield sometimes. You'd much rather just have that than to have to run the speed option, if that makes any sense. Here's another one. Uh, We put Wally in motion. We turn and we throw him that route over there, kind of like almost like it looks like bubble screen to a defender. And against Vandy, it was a lateral so that he could then throw it up the field to try to hit him for a big play. And it was open for a touchdown. He didn't throw it. Well, so now what if we put – future opponents you put Wally in motion and you throw him a an actual bubble screen and we're blocking out in front of it but a safety over the top or the corner back there may have to consider if I come flying up here this may be a trick play because I've seen it on film to see what I'm saying you're, you're trying to sort of put ideas in the head of your opponents your future opponents in their game planning watching your film to keep them honest to a degree, and I think that's why you do it now. It's not about running it for the big play. It's more about using something like that to manipulate how people play you in the future so that your base offense works better, if that makes any sense. John said, right tackle seems to be struggling. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, Scott had – he gave up some plays, obviously, against Alabama. Scott Lashley, we're talking about the right tackle. But he was facing – Will Anderson, the best pass rusher in America, and you know a future big-time NFLer, and so considering that overall, as many times you threw it, the fact that Scott actually gave up two sacks himself in one-on-one versus all the times you throw it, it's actually not that bad. Uh, the thing that he struggled with the other day, what he had a penalty or two, I didn't see. Maybe he had maybe he had two false starts in the game. I know he had one. And then, of course, the one where there was a bust on the linebacker going to inside gap. Somebody didn't pick it up, whether it was his responsibility or the guard. He seemed to be confused about it. Um, yeah, so struggling. He's made a couple of bad plays. I don't see him as struggling. I think overall he's actually played pretty well, uh, considering it's his first year to actually be on the field. Now he's been around a while just to be on the field. I think he's played pretty well, done some good things. And, you know, they've just had some mistakes the last couple of weeks. Um, Papa Crawdad wanted to know my top five Halloween candy. (laughs) 
and wanted Mary Lydia's input too. Now she's not at school. I mean, she's not here. She's at school while I'm recording this, so I can't ask her. Uh, so we may have to do that later. Um, my top five Halloween candy. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a candy corn guy. I love candy corn. I'd eat it all year long. Some people hate it. That seems to be a very polarizing answer. I love candy corn. I eat it a lot, unfortunately. Um, so that's good. Um, shoot, man. I don't know. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't eaten a lot of candy lately. So just put candy corn at the top of the list. I'm okay. John said, why does ESPN think that we want to watch the sideline reporter eat random food on the sidelines? Yeah, I'll tell you, John. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what you're referencing there, but it must have been a food segment. Um, over the years, the ESPN broadcasts have gotten a little more loose. Uh, I and others complain at times about the fact that they don't focus on the game enough. There's way too much other, you know, I think sometimes producers, it's not so much the people on the air, it's producers who are calling all those shots. They start thinking that the game is boring to them, so therefore the game must be boring to everybody else. Well, if you're a Vandy fan or a State fan, the game's not boring. In fact, that's the only reason you have it on that channel, so show me the game, right? So I think they get a little disconnected from their purpose and start to do a whole bunch of stuff and, and that goes for some on-air people, too, but I think I think that's what happens. And it doesn't add anything for them. Uh, if they think it does, it's a little bit of a, a misjudge on their part. It doesn't add anything for them to the broadcast. It takes away for some people. So I'm like, you, why do that? You know, But they would claim they're just having fun with it. I would say, kind of like you, if you really want to nail your audience here, as a producer, just show me the sideline. Show me a coach. Show me a player. Show me a replay. Show me the ball in the air. That's the only reason I'm here. Um, <clears throat> so there you go. Mike says, can you give me your opinion on the penalties and sloppy play? People want Leach gone, he says, because of scheme. I don't worry about scheme as much as the sloppy play all year. Every game, we keep saying they got to get this cleaned up. It's game eight, and it's still not clean. Your opinion, please. Yeah, Mike, I'm, you know, to me, that's it. Okay, you want to go maybe the biggest negative. For me, it's not scheme either. It never has been. Um, but it is penalties and the inconsistency in in what they're doing on offense. But it goes with defense, too, and giving up big plays. That's what I think is this is a team that at this point in the year, you kind of are who you are. You know, you're going to have some holding penalties if you, you're back there throwing it that much. Uh, false starts should and could be avoidable but and should be avoidable. But, you know, sometimes those guys are in their stance for a long time because the splits are wider, they're farther away from the ball, they're farther – they can't see it because I got my head to the outside. So, you know, that's probably something we're going to put up with. I'm trying to find a reason why you'd have more false starts. You know, a few sacks here and there. Uh, busts have been – on the offensive line have been a minimal – thing throughout the year you have gotten beaten for a few sacks here and there I would just say that yeah um, I don't know this but I even think that Mike Leach would probably look at you and say absolutely you have every right to complain about sloppy play because that's on us as coaches if we're not coaching it we're allowing it and every time it happens it's a reflection on us I guarantee you he would say that and he would tell you too yeah it's not scheme the biggest thing for us is 
consistency in what we're doing, and it's hard to be consistent when you go get nine penalties in a game. It's just why everything I just pointed out in a game like this, why you don't have a 50- or 60-point blowout. Instead, it's a 39-point blowout is because you had stretches in the game where penalties hurt you, put you against the chains, made you have to do some weird stuff in your play-calling strategy. You put the ball in danger. You, you know, you punt it to them. You get stopped or – they hold you to a field goal instead of a touchdown because you had two sacks in the drive, all that stuff, and they're still working to eliminate it. And I have – it is never as simple as we go to practice and clean it up. That's something that gets said in press conferences, but it's never that simple. By the time you get in your first game and stuff starts rearing its head, <clears throat> it ain't as simple as, well, we'll just go clean it up, quote, unquote, at practice, and it won't happen again. No. If it's there, it's there, and it's something that takes a long time to work through it. That's just the fact of the matter. Uh, some more questions here. Tracy Martin said the quarterback mobility and its effectiveness in the red zone. Will we see red zone plays with speed option? Well, you definitely could, Tracy. It's on film. People have to work on that. Um, so, yeah, but you know, as much time as this offense works on the passing game in the red zone and on the goal line, they're going to run their offense down there. And we saw that again yesterday or Saturday. Patton says, were you a head first or a feet first sliding quarterback in college? Will's breakdowns look uncomfortable sometimes when he goes to slide. Yeah, no, I never slid because I never ran. You have to be fast in order to run. (laughs) And I never was. Um, but the times that I did run or lean forward, uh, I I played at 230 and 240 pounds my whole career, and I never really shied away from contact, which probably explains a lot. Uh, but now is a different day. You know, you're out in the open field now. You definitely slide, get on down. Unless you gotta, you have to have a first down because then they're going to err on the side of marking you short of where you started the slide, so make sure you go in there first and get the ball over the first down stick. And then Wes says, what makes us so vulnerable to big plays downfield? How do you address that? Wes, it is the it is your identity as a defense. You are will it's it's like percentages in basketball almost is what I would tell you is it's like a basketball team going layups are a very high percentage shot for the other team. If we give the other team layups, they will make a bunch of them. If we give the other team, though, long-range three-point shots, and that's what we allow, then the percentage goes down. And, yes, the th- you get three points when they make it versus two, but you see what I'm saying? It's like a, it's almost like a percentages thing is kind of the way it looks to me. And, and which goes along with the nature and the personnel. The personnel is strong in the front seven. Linebackers who blitz and are good at pressuring quarterbacks. Uh, a scheme that we, we do not want to be on the field a long time. We are not okay with you beating us running the ball. So we are playing the run first and foremost. On every team we play, we are playing the run first and foremost which puts corners on an island, it puts safeties in the vulnerable positions, and everybody on defense knows that going in. And we're going, that percentage we're going to play. Meaning, even if we give up a throw sometimes down the field, 
we think sometimes they're going to miss it. We think sometimes he'll hold it and we'll hit him because he's trying to hit that throw down the field. Or we think some quarterbacks we play will not read the blitz and react to it very well and will give us the ball and turn it over. Well, that's just the philosophy. That's the way they're going to play. Um, and so that's what you get. And in a game like this where you physically are much better than the other guys, this is exactly the kind of game you're going to get. You hold them to nine yards rushing. They had basically had two plays the entire day that was their entire offense for Vandy. This is Vandy we're talking about, obviously, not some good team. A 61 and a 24. You go back one week earlier, you blitz the heck out of, of um, Bryce Young, and he could not have been better against the blitz. It really, really impl- impressed me. And so there's a difference between good offense, bad offense, good quarterback, and not so good quarterback, right? So there it is. When you play that style of defense and that's how you want to play based on your personnel, then you're going to be vulnerable to the big throw down the field. Some teams will hit it, some teams won't. And that's how you're going to live with it. All right, thanks for your questions. Appreciate you all tuning in, and I'll see you on the next one.